Hey, what's up, guys? It's Jordan. Demi's out today, so it's just me. My guest today is one of the most successful songwriters and producers of the last 20 years. He's worked with people like Justin Bieber and Usher and 112. His new album, The Book and the Beal, is out on Friday. Please welcome Pooh Bear. So first, let's talk about the new album, Book and Beal, out on Friday. So my first question is, it's been a few years since your last solo album. What encouraged you to make a new one? Um, so, you know, what encouraged me to, to make uh, the Book and the Bill? Um, just a lot of growth in, in my songwriting and me partnering up with Nabil, who's a poet, and just having a new approach on... On songwriting and a whole new a whole new perspective. Um, normally, you know, my music when I put it out, all the lyrics are from me. Um, and with this, you know, these songs are coming from poems that I've transformed into songs and put hooks and rearranged to make songs out of them. So it's for me, it just shows a lot of growth and, and allowing like for me to be open to collab with a, a great wordstress, a great poet as of Nabil, it just, it, you know, it just shows growth in, in my recording and my songs. And I'm really proud of it. I'm really like, I've learned so many new words in my vocabulary, just working with this, this brilliant mind, Nabil. And um, I'm just excited for the world to hear it and, and, and see how I was able to put melodies and these are words and these are phrases and, and stanzas that I would never, you know, that would never come from me. And I never imagined you know, being at a place where I could open up, you know, my creative to partner with someone. So, you know, with testing it out and experimenting with Distant Shore, um, with The Day You Left, I got a great response. And I just, for myself, I was able to look at it and just see growth in my, you know, as an artist. So naturally doing this this project allowed me to just show, you know, my, my growth as a songwriter and as a vocalist. And on this project, I went from, Pooh Bear presents birthday music where I literally sang on maybe four out of the songs out of 16. This project is, I have zero features and it's all me singing. So it also, you know, puts me in a new light as an artist and not just displaying records that I had with my, you know, my superstar friends, but completely right. setting it to the side and allowing like for me to, to display my own vocal abilities and, you know, really display my talent to the world. Yeah, yeah, and it comes through. It does feel like it's your original, like, it, first of all, I will say that it feels very personal. It feels like it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a work of love. It feels like when you're listening to this music, it doesn't feel like ber birthday music was great, but it yeah. did. It felt like a project. It felt like, um, yeah. it almost felt like, for lack of a better term, it felt like a a DJ Khaled type, Correct. you know, compilation type yeah. thing. Right, and, well, I was actually singing, and I but I actually wrote those songs, so it definitely separates me from a DJ Khaled. But I yeah, yeah, yeah. I meant the, I meant the the overall. I, I yeah, right. I, I get what you're saying totally. Um, so my my as someone who does solo music, you do solo music, you do production, and you do songwriting, all of that for other people and yourself. Correct. Um, 
do you save hooks for yourself? Do you save beats for yourself? Do you save ideas for yourself as opposed to just Good giving point. the best ideas to whatever collaborator comes knocking to your door? Okay, so that's a great question. So in the past, anything that I would create immediately, um, just out of the respect for, for Justin Bieber and the fact that he's believed in me, you know, more than any other artist I've ever worked with, being that he's allowed me to, you know, create, you know, three albums with him, you know. So the most I'd done prior to that was with, you know, a group called 112 back in the 90s and the early 2000s. So out of respect of Justin, you know, taking that leap of faith and, and allowing me, you know, to work with him on multiple albums, anything that I would create that I loved, I would just send it to him to have first dibs, you know, to see if he loved it, like, should I take this off the market for you? Or if you're not feeling it, let me know. I'll keep it for myself or I'll play it for somebody else. But I always, I've always given Justin first dibs to anything I create first out of respect for him. Yeah, you've got such a great relationship. And honestly, like the three albums that you've worked with him on, yeah. those are, you basically helped Justin become an adult artist. Before you. before you started working with him, I felt like he was like the, the kid, you know, and you helped yeah. mature him into... Yeah. The, the, the real artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what was it like? I mean, I'm not going to get into the origin story. You've told it a million times, I'm sure. Yeah. But what was it like to be witness and to help create the, the Justin Bieber that we know, the artist Justin Bieber that we know today? Um, it was fascinating. It was something that I never expected. Uh, like, I, like meeting him, you know, I was told that, you know, one day I would write a, a decent amount of songs for Justin. And I was like, you know what? I don't care. It'd just be cool to meet him. And, uh, you know, if he likes one of my songs, that would be amazing. I felt like Scooter and their whole team did such an amazing job with, you know, curating and, and, and creating, you know, those albums, My World and, you know, Believe. I didn't, really, I didn't even feel like I was needed. So it was amazing to just have the opportunity to just work with him on one song. And the first song we cut was Recovery on journals. And then that just kind of opened up our relationship and we created this amazing trust with each other. So I would just say that, you know, that whole process, I wasn't expecting it. I was blessed in my mind to even participate on one or two songs on journals, let alone 12 out of the 15 songs on journals. You know, that was mind blown. And in purpose to be able to work on 16 out of 19 songs was another, you know, I I just didn't expect it. You know, I never look at myself like, you know, I'm genuinely a humble person. So every time I got a, a new opportunity to work with Justin, it was just like, wow, I was really overly grateful and overly appreciative. And just being a part of creating and developing his new sound as an adult, to me, I didn't even look at it like that when I was going through it. It was just more so me playing music and, and songs that I loved for myself. And he fell in love with those records that I was doing for myself. And I sacrificed and said, well, you know what? I'm nobody. I would way rather have my music have an opportunity to get heard by the masses. If it makes it to the place to where it's released, that would be amazing. So, you know, I, during the process, I didn't look at it like I was helping to develop and build Justin's adult voice until, until changes. And I was like, whoa. And I went and I looked back at how he sang before I, before we met, 
to changes, it was night and day. And at that point, you know, enough people pointed it out and said, hey, you, you know, he basically has taken your voice and embodied it. <laughs> and um, at that point, I was like, wow, that's cool. And I always compare him to Michael Jackson. And I was like, wow, imagine if I was responsible or had something to do with developing Michael Jackson's voice and from, from you know, got to be there to yeah. black or white, you know what I So I, yeah. I, I understand it's a big deal. I just never, you know, looked at it from another i didn't look at it like that until changes and at that time i was so far in i never even dwelled on it i was just blessed to still be working with him on the third album well i would never i don't think it's ever fair to compare yourself to quincy jones but you did kind of play the quincy jones role yeah that just, he I, had on thriller and all, yeah, yeah 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 totally i could, I could see that there's there's definitely a parallel Marcus, there for Marcus, sure. right quincy yeah dj Khaled great orchestrators they're like oh let's put this producer with this writer let's put this feature on i personally wrote these songs and i and they came from my heart so i understand the you know the comparison but you know quincy jones has never written a michael jackson smash he helped yeah. orchestrate and r he orchestrated great musicians great percussionists great lyricists you know he put them in the room together which is everything but what I've done is a little bit different. I actually, you know, I have my 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 versions of, of these songs that I wrote with my voices, you know, that Quincy, none of those people can say that those records came from their heart. They were just they were just great orchestrators, which in all played a major role in the success of, you know, Thriller and Off the Wall and yeah. other ones. So yeah, yeah. it's just a little bit different. But at the same time, I do understand the comparison. And right. It's been a blessing to be able to to say, wow, I've worked on three Bieber albums that were, you know, successful projects and nobody can take that away from me, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, you mentioned when you first started working with with Justin that, you know, you were grateful just to get one or two songs to just work one, with them. One song. would have Yeah, been one song, one song. Um, so... At that point, you know, you'd done this, you'd done the stuff with 112, you'd done the song with Usher, all that, you know, you had a track record. So yeah. where were you in your career, you know, mentally, especially yeah. at that point, were you happy with where you were or were you still like, kind of like, I'm hungry, I want something bigger? I'm always hungry. I've never, I've never made it in my mind. I'm still an up and coming songwriter, up and coming artist to this day. Very, very new up and coming artist. Um, but, you know, at that point, you know, my my hit prior to me working with Justin was She Ain't You for Chris Brown, which was in 2012. I, I met Justin January 7th of 2013. So there wasn't that much, you know, now granted, Journals wasn't an immediate success. It took time for people to accept him as, you know, an adult and these new lyrics and melodies. But my in-between time from hits to working with Justin she Ain't You was, you know, a record that Chris Brown, quote unquote, said won him his only Grammy for best R&B album in 2013. So uh, that gap, I didn't, I always feel like I'm in a state of where's my next hit record. I would love to, you know, I'm always in that state. I never get comfortable. I, I, I've seen writers come after me and, they, and they're gone now. You know, I've seen them come and go. I've seen producers come and go. So I understand how people celebrate a little bit too soon and get complacent and then they look up and the next songwriter producers outworking them and they got yeah. four more hits. So I've always been the one that was, you know, proactive with 
never getting complacent, never celebrating. You're only as good as your last hit song. And I understand that mentality. Um, so it was amazing, you know, to work with Justin, but she ain't true was a massive hit record for chris brown you know for pop records for r&b that was my last hit before i went into my justin bieber era but yeah. i'm always like i said always in the state of you're only as good as your last hit i'm always in the state of i need new frequencies out into the universe i'm always in that mindset i'm never i'm always in the up-and-coming songwriter mode you know as opposed to I made it. I never want to feel like I made it. I never want to feel like, you know, I just, I just never want to get lax or complacent. Well, when you get lax or complacent, that's when you turn around and two years later, you're talking about your hit song from three years ago because you hadn't done anything new. Exactly. And I hear though, I see those artists and I see those producers and writers and they're, they're angry, you know, and they're mm -hmm. like, it's interesting even to see the comparisons, how people compare me to writers or producers. And I'm like, okay, you guys are comparing me to writers and producers that haven't had a hit in over 10 or 12 years. How's this even, how are you even comparing? And I get it, you know, cause they don't let go of these people's past hits, but I'm like, let's be fair. Like compare me to people who've had a hit in the last year and a half. My last real major hit record was Intentions, you know, my Justin Bieber. Um, that was, hey, that was two years ago. You know, that's scary for me because Granted, there's a there's a grace period when, okay, if you put out a hit record, you got less than you got about a year and a half to put out another hit record as a new writer producer. Right. Coming in over 27 years of success is not as urgent. I like to pretend like I'm still a new up and coming star writer producer, but. Granted, you know, you can turn on the radio at any point of the day and hear one of my songs, you know, from the 90s up until, you know, a few months ago. So I understand that I have a little bit bigger of a window before people forget about Pooh Bear, <laughs> but I still like to treat it like I'm an up and coming songwriter. My first and only hit was two years ago, which was Intentions. Where's my new music? You know, so in that way, right. I or like I'm never like, well, I'm I've done so much, they can't take anything away from me. That's great. It happens, it's real, but in my mentality, it's like, no, people people have forgotten about intentions already. What's the next Pooh Bear? Yeah, that going kind of going off of that, when it comes mm -hmm. to your solo music, right. how much do you care about having a hit single? I, the um birthday music had hard face reality, which was which was a, a hit. It wasn't a huge hit, but it was a hit. Um it and so streaming hit and it wasn't you know it was legalities there were certain clearances that were promised to me um and putting it out and then they those certain people took those problems they broke their promises so i streamed we streamed over i don't know 200 million streams any other song with that hits 50 million streams automatically goes to radio it go, it's like wow you know these these points where it meet where they reach right. it was a little bit different with the powers that be man i get it and um, yeah. and I'm black, you know. I hate to throw that out there, but you know, it, it does pay a it, it it pays a toll on on my on that part. And I appreciate that you're never satisfied. That like that you got a hundred, you got a song with a hundred million streams, and you're sitting here like the powers that be held it down a little bit. Yeah. you know. Yeah, we're over yeah. million streams right now, and the vi the video. I mean, I put out a lyric video that has over two hundred million views. Like it doesn't. Yeah, make, but you know, that. 
that, but that's honestly like that's an issue that's become an issue across the board is that's become an issue across the board is you've got these songs that'll have hundreds of millions of streams and they yeah. don't hit radio yeah. and they don't and still like even a song i feel like there are especially when it comes to younger artists it's, it's weird how streams don't yeah. automatically translate to fame or chart success that's absolutely yeah and, it, and it's it, it's because we're so watered down you know with streaming there's you know there's a hundred you know people there's a million songs being released on on the platforms every week yeah or it was like a hundred thousand songs people didn't even know what spotify or apple was so it was always well let's build them and let's go to radio so mm -hmm. now radio is at a place where nobody goes to radio anymore and everybody's like let's just release our music on streaming which now i'm going back to the old school i'm like i'm starting now like you know what let's value these radio stations let's value these these formats that play our commercials that's our songs, our commercials that represent right. us. And let's treat them the way we treated them in the 90s because they are very powerful. But, you know, the way that they promoted, you know, streaming is like, why do that? You don't need a label. Just get your money every year. But if, if it's not translated, if it takes five years to earn X amount of dollars, and if you can get on the radio, there's only slots in a day for radio. It automatically separates you from everybody because how did you get on the radio if you're not if there's something not to you or there's somebody not investing in you so you know to say like it the streaming no matter how much success you have it could be manipulated you know there's yeah. if there's people that you hire and they're like i'm gonna guarantee you for this amount of dollars i'll guarantee you this many streams so and what you hope for is that in doing that people actually love the music and they add it to their own playlist and it grows, you know, but then sometimes, you know, it'll add it to a lot of playlists and it'll grow, but then you won't actually feel the success of it because it's not all the way authentic. It's not connecting with the people. You just have the numbers and it looks amazing. But when you go to actually see who you can actually sell product to outside of your music, like merch or all those things should be like coincide and correlate, you'll notice that, wow, I got hundreds of millions i got a billion views but i can't sell a hundred t-shirts or merch it doesn't add up there's also a, a disconnect sometimes where you can have a really big song but you haven't created a fan base you haven't created a personality that's why when i work with artists i always emphasize that when you have a chance to show your personality to show beyond just the song itself to create yeah. a brand we mentioned michael jackson earlier and justin bieber also very good at creating brands and yeah. creating um merch and you know yeah. and the music videos and the aesthetics and everything all it all comes together you know absolutely yeah just being able to connect and, and people want to it's just so much we're just so oversaturated with music people want to be able to know they want to be able to relate to you they want to be able to resonate with you and you know the only way to really do that you know right now is through social media is you know posting accordingly actually seeing the engagement you know reaching out to these people hands-on and doing what they do with nfts which is building a community like if you can grow a community from a hundred people you know to a thousand people and those people will resonate with you then you should be able to sell them almost anything that they could connect with but we don't like i'm taking the approach now with my music like yo let's treat this like an nft let's build a community of people that can become my core 
then they can do they can become my my word of mouth to their friends and hopefully people hear it and they resonate with the music based off of my core fan base that starts with my community and that community is the ones that are like checking out every day what's on who do you have a discord today what are you talking about how do you feel like those are the things that people just try to skip over but i'm like if you can start with a real solid community you can sell anything you yeah know, but people don't people don't take out the time to grow or build their community and it's definitely a a, a time consuming thing but once you have them locked in they usually feel so much value and so much you know they have so much loyalty to you that they will support everything you you put out and um i think that most people just skip that and hope that their music is life-changing enough that when it hits whatever playlist they get added or whatever playlist they hire somebody to get added to it's like this miraculous moment like oh my god i'm in love with this artist but it doesn't it just takes to me looking at it from the outside like seeing the music industry evolve from the 90s to now i've been a part of four decades of it it's dramatically different and it kind of goes in cycles but building a community more and more people could just see through artists when they're just trying to like no different than the nft like you can see if somebody's just trying to do a money grab or if they really have something that they really believe in and they want to show you like hey these are the utilities these are things that you can really apply to make your life better all that i feel like people are skipping over and they just hope that their music is good enough to resonate with with the pop with with the community but they don't have a real locked in community yet so it's important that people identify their fan base they identify the people who care because you could just put out music but if it's not going to a specific fan that cares to hear your genre then you're going over these people's heads so you have to identify who do we want this music to go to what group of people will love this music the most let's not just put out like throw stuff against the wall let's identify the community who first care about Pooh Bear. And then now we have a chance to have their ear or half or one of their ears. Then we can put, we can send them music, we can send them merch, we can send them anything. And then if it sticks, now we have a real, you know, loyal fan and we can grow and maybe they'll, you know, when they're in the car, they'll put your music on and play it for their closest friends and then so forth. And then that person will do the same, word of mouth. And it's like a domino effect. So it's just a matter of, you know, for me, taking out the time to grow a real solid community. And I just feel like that works with any product that you really want to be around for a long time. You want to have your core community that really is loyal and they support you. Yeah. Um, good marketing is good marketing, you know? Across the board. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you, you talked about creating community, obviously. We just got done talking about it, But yeah. what it made me think of is how artists, you know, you have a, a millions and millions, a hundred million streams and you're not making a lot of money on it. Artists don't make money on streams and record sales. You got to make money on live shows, merch and NFTs, wherever else you can find it. Licensing, yeah. obviously publishing is still a big deal. Getting your song placed in TV shows, yeah. movies, commercials. Even then it's so small when it comes to just to um, streaming the publisher. We're just, you know, we just had a victory with you know Spotify going through appealing us just to raise our you know increase our rates, so and even yeah that's you know what's still a mystery to me. I'm on the outside. I I always tell people I'm a music industry adjacent is what I tell people. Right. And um and I still it's not transparent at all. 
um, how much money people are making off of a stream. If you have a, if you have a big song with a hundred million Spotify streams, how much does the artist, cause you gotta, you gotta, the producers gotta get a cut. The, the publishers gotta get a cut. I mean, yeah, you're splitting that as a, as a songwriter, as a publisher, if you're on a song that streams 1 million streams just a year ago, you're talking about on one plate on one platform, you're talking about splitting $700. So if you write, if you have four writers that, you know, each writer has 25% that equals up to hundred percent, you talk about splitting $700 four ways at a million streams. You're talking about at a hundred million streams, you know, splitting, you know, you know, you do, you know, a hundred times that that's what that's 700,000 that you're splitting on top of if you have a publishing deal with somebody, cause then they're taking half off the top. So now you're talking about splitting half of 700,000 and you're not talking about it all at one point in time. These are, these are streams that are accumulating over time. It's not like, bam, you got a hundred million streams, right? Right. It's, take you months and months. So this money right. being paid out in fractions that will add up to supposedly add up to what your rate is. And you're supposed to make a living off of that. And, you know, feed your family if you have kids. And it's really, it's very, it's always been this gray area. Um, anything else that you sell a 1 billion of, you make multiple billions. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This is the only industry where you stream a billion times and you can clear seven million dollars as a master owner as the label the, hence why the labels make you know one to two billion dollars per month as a publisher songwriter you know it's a fraction of that and you know you're fighting your publisher is fighting for that good luck if you you know you're administering your own publishing you better have an amazing administrative team that's in a constant state of collection you know, you're, it's really impossible to make a living off of it. So they've, it's always been this from the labels, transferring it over to streams. It's always been this gray area on purpose, just to, to keep the artists and to keep the, the creators at a certain position where they're in a constant state of need. Cause if you don't, if they don't need anymore. It's like, Hmm, I'll just stop writing songs until we get what we need. But if you're in a constant state of, I gotta pay my bills, I gotta do this. Just I'll take whatever you're gonna give me, whatever my percent my fee is. So right. they understand how to dangle that carrot, like the old school, you know, dangle the carrot just enough where it's like, we'll never give you everything that you deserve, just enough to make you keep working. So yeah. Know. Yeah. Um there's one other issue with within the charts and streaming and stuff that I wanna talk about with with someone who's on the front lines of this is we just witnessed this with Taylor Swift's new album that came out recently mm -hmm. where all the tracks charted in the top 10 and all this stuff. And anytime a big artist comes out with a new album, 15, 20 tracks take up all these slots in the hot 100, yeah. you know? And, and I don't remember, I don't that know the stats on, but I feel like, <laughs> yeah, I feel like you've probably benefited. Justin's benefited, benefited from that before. Um, yeah, you know, whether it's back then when we benefited from it, it wasn't, it wasn't figured out to wait out the way now it's manipulated to where if you have enough money, you can take up the first 20 slots. That are yeah. And, and, what, <laughs> and what it irritates me is that you you're taking away slots from up and coming artists, the ability to have a left field hit to have, like, for example, we just had Steve Lacey, bad habit hit right. number one recently. Right. And, you know, um, 
obviously he's not a guy who's had a bunch of number one hits or something that was kind of left field. Right. And um, so that opportunity doesn't come along very often. And when you have 15, 20 slots taken up by one album, a um, <coughs> DJ Khaled, um, yeah, it, yeah. It, 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 it screws everything else up. And yeah. so what needs to happen for, for that to be fixed? It's really not. I think it's out of our hands. I think that, you know, unfortunately, you know, everything is manipulatable with, you know, depending on how much of a bag is what the kids like to say, or how much, you know, your budget is, you know, you can manipulate, you can, you know, as long as you hit a certain amount of streams, as long as you sell a certain amount of copies, no matter how you sold them, they can be through streaming farms to people with 300,000 phones that just purchased 99 cent singles to where you're guaranteed the number one slot. This has been going on for a while. Um, it's not fair, but it is, it's just the way that it, it's just the way that it goes. You'll notice though, in the following week, those songs go away. Yeah. 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 If it was, <laughs> if it was real, they would stick because that music is so good that yeah. oh God, I can't live without streaming X this artist, but it's not, it's all manipulated. You can score a hit just by a song being the track after the big single on the album, you know, just by having it in the order. By by way of default, the placement of like, wow, this is number eight, the song that was his, number seven. And it just so that people will just let it keep going. And as long as it's like like 10 seconds or longer, it counts as a stream. So yes, by default, you can also have a hit if your song is placed in the right place, you know, in the right placement on the album. It's all crazy. Yeah, so that so th- this concludes the DJ Khaled bashing portion of the show. Oh, um, we love yeah. Khaled. I got we, we, yeah, we we we, we, love, we love DJ Khaled. We love DJ Khaled. Um, let's get back to your music, um, production wise, sound wise on this album. There are some of the the beats production people will recognize Pooh Bear sounds on this album. From they'll peep Justin Bieber fans will hear, oh, these this sounds like somebody who's worked with Justin Bieber before. So. Absolutely. Tell me about the sound of this album and just the, making it a fully realized project. Um, so I just stick with, I have my team of people that I love, um, that I work with, Sasha Sirota, um, Shendo, who, you know, did Peaches for Justin Bieber, um, and and uh, also even the Audibles, you know, have worked on, who did Intentions, they've worked on a, a number of Bieber records. But these are my team. These are people that I've worked with for years and years and years and years. They understand what inspires me. You know, I'm able to send, you know, a song with chords and and I'm able to sit there either with them or on Zoom and actually produce it out to where, you know, sonically it's a complete song and not just a song with chords. Most of my songs start with, I feel like if I can't win you over with my song and chords, then my song's not good enough. So, you know, if you have a strong, a strong concept first, a strong hook, melodies that melodies and lyrics that support your hook great now i have a record i can make it reggae tone i can make it reggae i can make it country i stick to my team they understand sonically you know if i say hey instead of having a a hard snare let's do a rim shot on every other instead of having a rim shot hit on the two and the four let's only have it hit on the four you know every four bars you know they understand it and they get it and they have the sounds, the sonics that we've been using and developing, even, you know, growing these sounds, they're my, my, my go-to team. So yes, you will feel moments where even vocally with me, 
I can't help that, you know, how much I've influenced Justin Bieber vocally. So I get a lot of times people be like, oh, you sound just like Justin Bieber. You sing like Justin Bieber, right? And it, and I get it, you know, he, we've had a lot of success by way of radio and a lot of influence. A lot of people use our records as a gauge when they're making their own songs. So yes, you will feel by default, you'll feel some Bieber, you know, stuff just because of my voice and my tone his voice is, and his tone has, has grown to be very, very similar to my voice and tone, which is always a blessing. And I'm, I'm always overly appreciative of that. Sonically, you know, the music, you know, being that I've done changes with my producers, I've, done, I've worked on projects with my, with my team, there are some signings that can make you also feel, you know, a little Bieberish, but at the same time, lyrically, melodically, and even vocal performance wise, it's it's different, you know, and the real and the musicians and the people who understand sonics and um vocals, they'll be able to say, Oh wow, I get it. You know, I understand I, I understand the influence, but I also understand, you know, that this is what it is sonically and melodically and vocally. And I'm not there, I'm not here to try to force people to, you know, get my music. Like I, like I said, as far as pinpointing and targeting certain audiences that care to hear my music, not because it's just forced in their playlist. I kind of value those people, you know, I, I care about them, whether it's a thousand people or a million, I don't really care how many people it is. Um, I believe in growth, I believe in, you know, never, feeling like I've made it as an artist. I'm absolutely a new artist. As a songwriter, I've had a, I've had some success. I've had, you know, a few decades of success writing music and producing. But as an artist, I'm starting from the beginning and um, they will be able to, they will hear similarities. Of, of course, the believers, they're gonna hear similarities, but my, my goal is to reach those people who, you know, wanna be Pooh Bear fans, and, you know, and who care to just hear the, the next phase and the next sound where I've grown to. And that's kind of like what I, what I care about the most. Yeah. Well, there, there, like I said, at the beginning of the show, there's a lot of love in this album and you can really hear it come through uh, on the tracks. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you for listening to it. I appreciate yeah, you taking the time. Absolutely. Out. I wouldn't do an interview with someone without, you know, Actually, previewing the album was supposed to be promoting. So. Yeah. I understand. I appreciate that. Yeah. 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 But congratulations. It's out. Uh, Friday, November 18th. Now, if you're listening after November 18th, obviously it's already out and you go stream it and a couple of singles are already out. So um, Pooh Bear, thank you so much for joining us on the show, for joining me on the show. Thanks for having me. Great questions. And I appreciate it doing this with you. Hopefully we can do a follow-up really soon. Absolutely. All right. Take care. Happy birthday. All right. Bye. Bye. That was Pooh Bear. His latest album, The Book and the Beal, is out on Friday. That'll be it for me. Demi will be back next show. As always, go to popdust.com for the latest in pop culture and music news and to listen to past episodes. You can follow me on Instagram at Jordan Edwards Studio and you can follow Demi at Demi underscore Ramos. Until next time, we'll see you later. <laughs>